0: Ta-ta-ta! What a
2: scream, what a scream! What a fantastic goal! And a back in it! And here's Lippa, lines it up, finds the net. Arsenal in
1: front. You put an offer in, you pull an offer out. You put an offer in and you shake it all about. You try to re-sign Ramsey, then you let him go for free. That's what we're gonna see. Hey! This is the Arsenal Vision Post Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. We're going to talk a little bit about the news. Did, 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 did. This just in: Aaron Ramsey has been told he can fuck off. That's not really what's happened, but we will. Um, we will parse it. We'll discuss it. We'll analyze it. We may even bring some insight to the debate, but I strongly doubt it because I am joined by Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Hello, Pause.
3: Woohoo! You put an offer in. You put pull an offer, offer out. Right,
1: you put an offer in. Oh, yeah. Um, gotcha. I'm, I'm also joined by Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Stilberto. Hello, Tim.
4: Hello there. Hello there, I indeed. Ap- yep. Absolutely won't sing.
1: No, thank you. Uh, the, the the listener is also begging me not to, but you know what? I did. It's too late. It can't be unheard. Clive is here. You can find him on Twitter at clive p a f c. Clive, I'm ge- I'm guessing you could do a good Barry White.
2: Uh, I can, but I'm much better when I'm out of my head, drink drinking. So Aren't I'm we not going to do it now.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Well, look. I am thrilled to have you gentlemen here, and here's what I think we should do. There was a game played, and this is a post-match podcast, at least in name. I think we should talk about the match. That way, people will listen long enough to hear what we have to say about Aaron Ramsey, and then we'll touch on what we expect to see this weekend. But we're going to start in a different place. Tim. Yes. How fucking awesome is season three of the Jose story? Like, this, this, <laughs> this show is awesome. It never disappoints. How much are you enjoying season three?
4: Yeah, yeah, I'm really enjoying it, actually. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm actually ever so slightly surprised. I, I thought that the um, the kind of rumours of demise were a little bit hammed up because of this whole, like, season three thing. But the, the kind of good thing about this is we haven't even had to have, like, season one and season two where, like, supposedly they're meant to be quite good for Mourinho and Man United. He's just, like, basically what he's done is... He's just kind of ramped up season three, season on season, if that makes sense. So it's sort of been like a
1: season, a season two and three quarters, a season yeah. two and five eighths, and a season three.
4: Yeah, it's <laughs> like Naked Gun thirty three and a third or something. It's <laughs> like, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely loving it because um, he's decided once again to take on the biggest player and the biggest personality in the club. Because he's a prick, and um, that's what pricks do—they they want to fight the biggest guy in the room because they're pricks. And Jose Mourinho has always been a prick, and he's always done this. And uh, but it, you know, it all used to be dressed up like, oh, he's the master psychologist, and he wasn't—he was just a prick. The difference is, everyone knows he's a prick now, and um, he's, I think, quite deliberately. Just because he's one of those guys that likes to watch the world burn. He's like, I am gonna pick a completely like sign fight that I can't possibly win just for the fuck of it. Um and you know, listen, but like Pogba's not blameless in this whole thing. He's not playing particularly well and he's um You know, strutting around. He's nearly blameless, to be fair, right?
1: You know, I mean, is he doing anything worse than Alexis Sanchez, who's just eating 600,000 pounds a week? No, no,
4: but Alexis Sanchez isn't going in the press and, you know, being all snidey and snipey and giving it the big I am. He's kind of staying quite quiet, which is what Alexis Sanchez does. He doesn't really talk to the media or anyone, actually, other than his dogs. But, um,. But this is great for me because, to be honest, um, I I don't think uh, Mourinho or Pogba are worth a shit to Man United, quite frankly. Pogba just does not fit in that team. Um, I'm not sure he really fits at a club like that. Um, And Mourinho is absolutely toxic garbage for them. So I don't really care who wins um, because I think they're both um to varying degree well I wouldn't say Pogba's poison but um he's he's just I just don't see that. If you can win a World Cup team. with him
1: as the central figure of your team um and if Juventus can be as good as Juventus were with him at the center of the team I think it's a little bit maybe overstating it to suggest that United can't thrive with him in the team I mean I I certainly think it's more on Mourinho. I mean, is it, is yeah, it me or
4: am it, I crazy? It, it, it probably is. But at the same time, even at Juventus, like Pogba's a moments player. Pogba could be, uh, for my money, a lot better than he is. And that's not to say shit. He's not. He's very, 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 very good. Um, I think he could be better. But I, th- I think he's just like a bit of a moments player and... Um, the the problem united have got is that they've they've really gone all in on this we're not a football club anymore we're a brand we're a business we're show business and uh whoever's idea it was to have Paul Pogba and Alexis Sanchez in the same team two players who are you know really good but complete individuals who demand complete freedom from any structure I and mean, whoever's fucking idea that that was, you know any other an club with players genius. like that in their
1: squad? By <laughs> the <laughs> way, <laughs> Did they ring any bells? Yes,
4: and and look <laughs> look how it's gone for them. <laughs> fair, fair point. Um, so yeah, I you know I I I hope they both keep um, boxing at each other, and uh, I you know because for me, whatever happens, it's a double knockout.
1: Clive, are you are you ready for the Ramsey Pogba switch? I mean, where do you think Pogba fits into our system, and how will Emery use him?
2: <laughs> I don't know. They've got similar problems, right? They, um, well, people, I, I think
1: Pogba has a Mourinho problem,
2: personally. Yeah, he, from a footballing perspective, just to, to clarify, people struggle to see them and struggle to see where they fit in. And the views on the player that they are, are completely polarising and different, you know. And um, we people have a view on what Pogba is. Is he a second midfielder or a third midfielder? Does he need to be free? And there's the questions about, you know, we've got to get the best out of Pogba. But people don't know how to do it. You know, Juventus had him on the left of a three in midfield in a V. That seemed to work. But again, he's one of, He's one of those players, much like Ramsey, is he a third midfielder? Is he a second midfielder? Do you reduce his, uh, his ability? Uh, For me, he's just a, I agree with him 100%, he's a a moments player, and he's one of those players that you need to get into areas of the pitch where he can do something special and either feed the ball to somebody else by a move or a a dribble or something instinctive, or do something himself and finish. He's slightly different to Ramsey where he's uh, a little bit more positionally disciplined, and he tends to come onto the ball, but they are they, they provide similar problems and on, on how they're defined. And if you move them away from a specific system, they become less of a player. I would have maybe add Dele Alli into that, into that scenario, play him at the Tottenham system where he is what Emery was trying to do with Ramsey, a presser, a second striker, a 10. You put him in the England system where he's one of two eights and we spend the whole summer moaning about him. Is the player bad or does just, just the system not quite fit them? Right. So, for me, Pogba's a talent. Uh, I think he's fantastic. Um, you just got to know how to use him and how to deploy him. And I think Mourinho doesn't know how to do that.
1: No, do that. <laughs> I'm not sure he knows much of anything anymore.
2: And right. I don't think he wants to because it makes him he makes him a bigger star than him. And I don't think that's what he's all about.
1: Yeah, that's fair, Paul. Final, final thoughts on Mourinho. How much did you enjoy? Which did you enjoy more, the post match presser after the the derby defeat, or? the uh, the training ground bust up with Pogba?
3: Uh, the video was great because it was authentic. <laughs> um, it was just, uh, I guess it was all authentic, but that that was, you, you really felt you were getting a view into the soul of that squad at that moment. Um, I just think, uh, you know, these guys should take some time to see if they can work things out a lot of time, a lot and a lot of time. Years. There must be a solution. Of, yeah, yes, years. Years,
1: yeah. Years, yeah.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, Jose just doesn't, this one amazed at, I think we all maybe predicted this, I certainly spent quite a bit of time predicting this, I I didn't actually think my predictions would be this nailed on, but maybe it was just this obvious, I mean, it's just, this is everything I, and I think everybody, predicted Jose would do at United, and it's going better than I thought, so.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's yep. it's wonderful. Now even this horse Slow thinks he's being, crash he's, yeah he's being beaten too much. So let's let's move on. Uh, I'll stay with you, Paul, uh, for reasons oh, that do. I can't fully articulate. Do, do. Um, <laughs> let's start with a stock watch after the Brentford game. Ooh. Give me give me a player whose stock is rising and a player whose stock is
3: falling. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, right, quick, I'm just thinking around my. So, all right, I'm going to go with uh oh i, I uh, there's four five really good ones but i'm gonna go with the wobi um i thought he was is doing he,
1: what rising or falling?
3: <laughs> i assume he, rising uh, yeah. rising yeah uh, now i know the problem with all of these is you got a caveat all caveat at all with it's only brentford lads but i thought his energy levels drove us forward for the the 70 of the 90 minutes we were actually driving forward, not the 20 minutes we weren't. And the other thing I was particularly impressed with, apart from how lively and and switched on he was, was the work rate, because he worked his socks off for the first 50 or 60 minutes and kept going. He was a 90-minute player. There was one play in which, I mean, he was nominally on the, well, he was on the left, and he ended up covering back to the right-back position, to make sure we didn't drop from one to 2.2 at one point um so uh, maybe not the hugest stock move ever seen in, in in uh stock market history on the basis that um you know, he he's reasonably well-regarded at the moment. But for me, this was a bit of a breakout game because of the level of energy he displayed throughout and how fit and athletic he looked for the whole thing. And yeah, you can say it was only Brentford, but that didn't change the amount of running and the liveliness of it. And so, to be
1: fair, it, it's his second yeah. <coughs> consecutive good performance coming off the Vorskla performance where he yeah, was yeah.
3: excellent as well. Uh, um, and we who, who's need falling? that. We need that from that player. Well, we, we um, need
1: something on the wings, definitely. Yeah, and who's yeah, falling?
3: exactly. So I thought it was big. Falling
1: Yeah, he, yeah. someone going, wanted to jump in there. Was yeah, it Tim?
3: Sorry, I was
4: I was just gonna jump yeah. in really quickly Please on do. Iwobi and say, um I don't know if you listen to the Totally football show. Um it's another football podcast, not as good as ours. Um <laughs> but Michael Cox was on it today and he was saying um that he thinks Iwobi should start for Arsenal. Um it's quite interesting because 'cause we've been talking about Mikatarian because he's the wide player who brings us balance. But um yeah, I mean Michael Cox was making that kind of argument. Um, but saying Iwobi, uh, that you felt Iwobi had been really impressive. And when you look at the fact that we've lost Walcott, Chamberlain, Alexis, that Iwobi actually brings us something that nobody else does. So I'd, I'd agree with that.
1: Yeah, and, and if you're looking for the uh, Totally Football podcast, you can find it at patreon.com forward slash Arsenal Vision podcast.
3: Um, so, <laughs> Paul, uh, who's calling? <laughs> um not because he was terrible or even had a bad game. He had a bit of a mixed bag. But I'll go with Rob Holding because he was the guy with the biggest opportunity, let's be honest, of breaking out and into the starting lineup The Emery kind of greased the skids from.
1: I feel like you're going to uh, get the hate mail for this, for this opinion.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's, like I say, it's not that he didn't have a, a – that he had a bad game. I think he looked a bit agricultural at times, especially with his passing upfield and some of his decision-makings. Well, that
1: time Overall, he pulled I, a carrot out of the penalty spot was particularly agricultural.
3: Yeah, it was. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's agricultural, um,
1: agriculture. Get it? It was an agriculture joke. Come on. Yeah,
3: unfortunately, I did get it. I, I'm trying to, trying to save you here, Elliot, but you're not helping. Um, <laughs> There's no saving me.
1: Just, just just look at the comments after my last Lacazette Obama-Yang uh, uh, sp-
3: <laughs> screed. <laughs> Um uh, so because it's a lost, a, a missed opportunity, I thought he was overall good and he was part of uh, the Emery ball goal that uh, was goal number two for us. Uh, I don't know if you know, know this. I'm in the video business now, getting the clicks and the likes. Oh, it's great. great. Um, but, uh, you know, he did play a significant <laughs> role getting that started. I thought he did a lot of good things. But had he looked the sophisticated ball player from the back, he would have really been piling on the pressure to Mustafi. And so he had a fairly good game that could have, that was an opportunity for him to have a great game.
1: Yeah, uh, well said. Uh, Clive, I've got a, a very, very special question picked out just for you, but I'm going to go to Tim for a second first. Tim, well, let, let me give you a chance to answer that. I mean, do you agree with Paul? I mean, has has Holding made an argument in his past couple of starts and, and deputizing for the injured Socrates at the end of the last uh, league game? for maybe replacing Mustafi and getting getting a chance to start alongside Socrates, or was this not a good enough performance to warrant that?
4: I, I don't think this was quite good enough to warrant that, but he's clearly put the question mark there. Now, obviously, Socrates got the injury, um, the other, and it, and it sounds like he's going to be back for Saturday, but um, Emery mentioned it, didn't he? He, he kind of singled him out pre-match um, as someone who had a big chance. Um, and and that's quite interesting. Um, I mean, to get it, it past Mustafi, like, you
1: don't have to be Maldini. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> no, Mustafi had no, no. another bout of vertigo in this game as well.
4: Yeah, yeah, precisely. Um, and I, you know, they, they went they went for another centre half, didn't they, this summer? And you know, uh, the, that's probably more likely because um, you know Mavropanos is. Is one of our four centre halves, and and he's really lacking in experience. But um, yeah, def- like definitely, uh, hold- holding was someone that Emery singled out before the game and mentioned and said that you know he had a big chance, and that's that, that's literally quite telling. I think you take that at face value.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, last little yeah. bit. I mean, is there is there someone who did impress you then in, in this game? I mean, let let me ask you about Smith Rowe mm. real quick because I thought he he was unlucky to maybe not get a goal or an assist on that one beautiful break. He showed more pace than I thought. And I just thought his running and his movement was really exciting. But it did have a whiff of the Carabao <clears throat> Cup performance off it that you might remember from, like, the mm-hmm. likes of Carlos Vela or um, there was another midfielder who wound up down the leagues so whose name I can't remember at the moment, um, in that it was filled with energy and running. It's a guy
3: he, you can never remember, isn't
1: it? It's that guy. It's that exact guy. <laughs> um <laughs> I've it,
3: heard this before from I, you. The I'm going to find it. The
1: he, I think he had a
3: double-barreled last on name, too.
1: Anyway, yeah. I, point is, I mean, do, do you think Smith Rowe um, impressed in a way that brings him closer to, to first-team reckoning or impressed in the way that our youth in the past have in the Carabao Cup?
4: Uh, I, I don't think he's done his, uh, his cause any harm. I, th- I think he looked, um, I mean, it was, it was. I thought it was a fairly unremarkable 7 out of 10 performance, which in many ways is, is quite enthusing for someone, you know, who hasn't even really played much under 21 football. Um, he's come straight from the under 18s. He's, you know, he's not skipping the under 21 level because that, that's where he's playing this season. But, you know, he, he hasn't had a lot of games at that level so uh for him to just come in and do like a seven out of ten job because i think sometimes you can get you know young players who give you the kind of right this is the game of my life i'm going to give you like the and we've seen that before plenty of times haven't we in this competition as you alluded to you get like this is the game of my life um i'm going to give you like eight nine out of ten and then that's all you'll ever see of me whereas i don't know smith row looked a little bit more like um i wouldn't i wouldn't go as far to say as he belonged but that he yeah. he, he he felt like this isn't going to be my only chance like i'm i'm going to get then you know not not with like a sense of complacency but um yeah i th- this isn't going to be my only shot at the first team i'm i'm comfortable with the fact that um i'll i'll play again which uh, which I think is great credit to him. I, I mean, I think the person whose stock rose the most, though, to be quite honest, was Danny Welbeck, um, mm. and not oh, you mean the guy who scored the goals? <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. good, good shout.
4: I mean, <laughs> what what was quite it was too obvious for me. <laughs> Damn, it's a deep cut. What was what was quite what was quite pleasing about Welbeck was that he got on the end of things, whereas I always think of Welbeck, um, you know, generous, they're generously slow. So it was like a good build-up player, but actually both times he was doing kind of what a centre forward does but you know we're we're having we're having all these discussions about how unbalanced Arsenal's attacking and again to reiterate I think all all of us at some point have said to differing degrees that Mkhitaryan's the one that's got to come in but um, be in Welbeck um, you know in the last week of made a made a fairly decent case and they're both players listen neither of them are as good as Ozil or Ramsey or Lacazette or Abamyang. but they, you know Owobi and Welbeck could stick their hands up and say yeah but I'll probably balance this front line a bit more than a bit more than they will I'll do what I'm told I'll play in the system I won't go wandering um and, and I'm not saying that's enough to get them in per se but again it it just it just puts a little question mark there for the sure. manager.
1: Yeah, look, Aubameyang's look, better than El Neni, but if we needed an a emergency defensive midfielder, you wouldn't play Aubameyang there over El Neni. I mean, you have to play yeah. the players that work in the positions that you need filled. So now I'm going to send it over to you, Clive, and I have a very special question picked out, as I alluded to, um, so I hope that you will listen to it this time, okay? <laughs> Here it is. Clive, for the next two minutes, talk about whatever's on your mind.
2: <laughs> well let me let me start by saying jay emmanuel thomas was the player you were thinking about the drop down the league, <laughs> jet yeah the yeah. jet yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah he sure did and and yeah what's on my mind i think um i think i ran on my mind actually. well we're gonna get um, to that so
1: no you can't <laughs> i'm gonna actually black that out because that's coming okay, in, in in the much ballyhooed and anticipated section too
2: Okay, so what's on my mind? I think um, I've from the
1: Brentford game.
2: <laughs> well, I was having discussions today on, on, online because I was traveling with work today, so a bit of Twitter time. and um, And people were talking about what they're seeing and getting enamored with the system per se. And I've been really pleased about what we're doing back to the basics of the game. And you've heard me say about the fundamentals of football and... If anything, what I think Emory's trying to do is really bring the basics back, bring the accountability back. And I can't wait to see this develop. I think it's the most important thing that's happened to our club for many a year, where people are now being challenged. They're challenging each other. I'm seeing players shout at each other during the game in a way to keep them honest, to keep them at it, not Mo- in the way... Mostly we Licksteiner, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, mostly <laughs> Licksteiner. You got, they're the ones I caught as well. But isn't that brilliant? I mean, we've, we've all spoke about this. It's not unique to me. We've all spoke about this, the lack of accountability, people not telling each other what to do, when people make a mistake, no one's telling them. And, and, you, and if you look at our signings, all of our signings over the summer have brought personality into the club. And now we start to see that on the football pitch. And what really stood out for me in this game was... I felt, and I'd be interested to see what Tim felt being in the stadium, but I felt the players really cared about this game and they treated Brentford as, with the same sort of care as they treated Everton. And I thought that was wonderful from a fan's perspective.
1: Sure. The can only I thing i t- yes, you can. Just one second. Let me get this thought off my chest just super quick. The Because the only thing I would take issue with there, Clive, is just the question of. Is there accountability? I mean, if he goes right back to playing Ozo right, Ramsey, Central, Oba, oh, left. Oh, I don't, you know, that, I don't it,
2: know. I don't know, but it feels like the players are holding each other to account. The players, it feels yes. like It feels like I don't see so many players walking and not caring. So that tells me that the major has put in a level of accountability, what's acceptable. When you're seeing Iwobi, who struggles for fitness in the last 20 minutes, making 80-yard runs back to to block someone off or make a defensive challenge or just to block off a line, that, to me, tells me messages are being said. There's a new success criteria. This is what's acceptable in this culture. And more and more and more of the players seem to be buying into it. Yeah, that's how I
1: see it. Well, and long may it continue. And I, I certainly think we're seeing the the dawn of that for sure, which is which is important because, you know, Harson famously always talked about eleven captains on the pitch, but we didn't really see that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm okay with there not yeah. being a captain, and and it really being eleven captains on the pitch if they're all leaders. Too often they all look like passengers. So I I take your point. Uh, it sounded Paul it sounded like you had something you wanted to add there, and I also wanted to get yeah. your thoughts on on Smith Rowe because I know you had a, you had a couple of those as well.
3: Yeah, I had strong feelings on on Smith Rowe, but so many point, things. Yes, <laughs> such strong, strong feelings. To Clive's point on, on the players in this game in particular kind of showing up and, and responding, this is the first game, I think, since Chelsea where I felt we were actively, consistently, formally pressing. Uh, and maybe it's something to do with the front three we picked of Iwobi, um, Welbeck and Mkhitaryan lending themselves to that kind of approach but you could see a coordinated press which in my mind we haven't done for three four games now
1: and they struggled to Um, keep the ball i mean there were times there where they they just couldn't make the six yard pass because of it
3: yeah yeah and i'd be interested to so that's very much on clive's point but i'd love to see what tim thought watching it in the stadium was there a a visible difference to the pressing as you look down on it
4: um not really no Damn it. Touche. <laughs> All
3: right. Um,
1: and your thoughts on Smith-Rowe, since we've rubbished your first yeah, point?
3: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Tim is, in retrospect, rubbishing this point because he didn't really go for this. But I did think there was a uh, a tangible, palpable difference with the Smith-Rowe performance in this game versus other young things, fine young things we've in the past. There's a couple of players we have where they just look like their heads you know, some sometimes you have it or you don't. And him and, for me, uh, Eddie Anketiah have this mindset that they belong from day one. And they have a bit of an attitude and swagger. Um, and as we're about to talk about a player that we're going potentially to lose from the club, whose key attribute is making runs into the box, I mean, my God, at the age of uh, 17 gone 18, he's basically at the same age... Uh, Pulisic was when he started playing regularly for Dortmund. I don't see why not. Maybe not qu- quite why not at this moment, but in the very near future. This guy, I think it's a bit like the stats for conversions for strikers, where it's really about if they take enough shots, it averages out that they're all, all, all strikers are basically pretty good, bar 10% at the top or bottom. And to me, that's Smith-Rowe. The runs he makes into the box, the legs he has, the courage of the guy to get there on the end of it. Um, Yeah, he he skied one or two as he got into the box, but sometimes under quite a lot of pressure. Uh, I loved what he did. And yes, this could be just one more fine young thing, but I don't think he is. I think this guy's a different animal. And maybe sometime in the next 12 months, he'll start becoming a regular contender for playing for us. I mean, what's Gonduzzi 19 or something? Um, So if you've got your head screwed on right, and where I might have some concerns, not about Maitland Niles' abilities, I think he's a brilliant footballer and athlete. Uh, He might need a few more years before he really kind of gets the crosshairs for what you do in a football game. I think Smith Rowe has it. I think Enkatiya has it from the get-go. I don't really feel that about many of our talented young players. I think he's the real deal within the next 12, 24 months.
1: The only problem with that, and I think you've kind of undermined it yourself, is if he is a different animal, he's going to really struggle to qualify to play in the Premier League once they discover that because I don't, I don't know that that's even within the the regulation. Species issue? Yeah, it's a species issue. If he's a different animal, he's probably not even going to be eligible. Um, Tim, there are times when I watch Arsenal and I think I must be taking crazy pills. Uh, There are times when people listen to me and they they agree. Yeah. Um, So we start with Leno, who is the guy who's good with his feet, immediately tries to uh, air kick it into his own net, and then (laughs) spends most of the game going long so what the fuck is happening please help me understand
4: oh, yeah. so he um so what i quite like actually and i i thought this uh against worskler so i yeah that that first aberration aside i mean he's clearly more he's clearly more of a, a footballer um than czech is and and I think the way you can tell that, first of all, is the way he always offers himself again for the pass. So I do think some of our defenders have been dumping Czech in it by giving him, like, really shit passes on his right foot. But at the same time, Leno, as soon as he moves it, he makes himself available. He offers himself again, which is, you know, just a, a little thing that Czech doesn't quite do. Um, the the thing I like about Leno's distribution is that he, he knows when to go long. And the reason he knows when to go long is because um, the the thing he's got that check hasn't um, in these scenarios is that he's already scanned the pitch while the ball is rolling to him. With check, check has to like really concentrate on stopping the ball, controlling it, and then he looks up, um, and that takes quite a lot of time as well, which usually means all his ex- his options are exhausted. Leno knows what he's going to do when the ball comes to him, and sometimes that means getting rid of it sometimes you don't have an option and uh i i have actually quite liked that i think, and i know it's it's something we're all looking for because we've all been told that um leno's very good with his feet and we've seen that that perhaps check isn't always um although i think that's been slightly overplayed but um yeah he's he's, he's a bit more natural just because he scans his options before the ball reaches him. So the second it reaches him, he knows what he's going to do. And, you know, that, that second goal, which, which I think is the best goal we scored this season. Um, and that, like real and it, and it's, isn't it ironic that it's with our second string, um, that we really, we finally get the kind of, well, no, actually we, we scored a goal, didn't we playing out from the back against Chelsea? Um, so perhaps that's a bit unfair, but, uh, it was, it was quite nice that it was like our second string who haven't really played together who who really got that kind of um, that really nice goal from back to front? And you know uh, Leno had a, a part in that because he 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 played a nice ball out to um, was it who was it? He played it out Licksteiner. to Licksteiner. Licksteiner, that's it. Yeah,
3: yeah. And the first ball into him from Ganduzi was a gem as well. That was between two defenders. So, yeah, I and mean, they really started it off with some balls. It was the classic pull them into a trick. Exactly,
4: yeah. That that was like the culmination of what we've been trying to do, and and Leno was a big part of that as well. So yeah, other than you know that that Czech esque aberration at the beginning and 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 against Vorskar last week, I I think he's been really good with his feet.
1: Yeah, here is a question. Then um, TV angles can be tricky, and sometimes you know I am watching this on a stream, a legal stream, thank you, a <laughs> law abiding citizen here, but uh, it, it can be tricky sometimes when a ball lands in a part of the net where you think, did he did he have a shot at that? I mean, do, do you have any thoughts mm. on his positioning, his reaction as possible, opportunity to save the free kick? It wasn't in the corner, I can yeah, tell you that much.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, do. I, I have to be honest, I'm not saying it again. Um, so I've really only got my natural reaction to go on at the time, but yeah, I did think that I did think mm, that wasn't quite in the corner and I was, I was kind of behind it and diagonal to it. I didn't really have any problem. I don't remember having any problems with his positioning, um, per se
3: at the time. Um, he didn't but, move. He was until yeah. the ball was basically in the
2: net. I mean, he just didn't. exactly. exactly. I saw, I saw Clive tweet there? about
1: this. Yeah. Clive, you want to come in? Cause I thought you yeah. made an astute observation on Twitter.
2: So, so, what you do when you're a goalkeeper, you, oh, thank you, you can, um, <laughs> he, he, just, he just didn't see the ball. So, he, he didn't position himself to a position where he could see the ball being struck. And so, he didn't move until the ball was past the wall. And it was too well struck a shot, so it beat him. I think he expect. I think there was an issue in the wall. I heard James talk about this last night that the Welbeck sort of turned away and it went past his head or something like that. I didn't notice that so much, but what I did notice was he couldn't see the ball when it was struck. And as a goalkeeper, you have to see that. You have to see a trajectory early, and then one day you can make your move. And it was just too late. That's why it looked pretty amateurish, right? So, are those experienced at twenty six. He's still very inexperienced. And the, and the little details like that he needs to iron out before he's our first team goalkeeper.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, there were things he did well in this game, but probably, I mean, Tim, finishing with you, not a performance that will force him into the reckoning yet, right?
4: No, no.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, so, Clive, last point on this game. We haven't really talked about him at all. The couple of players we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about El Elneny, who I think in both of these games that he started has been very El Elneny. He's been fine. And fine is fine, you know. Um, But Licksteiner has not really been fine. I have not been super impressed with him. And this is a player that at one point some people, not me, obviously, because I'm a level-headed, rational individual, but some people (laughs) were saying, you know, oh, you should be pushing Bellerin for time. I think these two performances have shown he's nowhere near that. Am I misreading that? What's your sense of Licksteiner?
2: Yeah, I never thought he would push him for time, but I just want him to have 15, 16, 17 games. So I mean, have, have you been worried though by what you've seen, or, or you know, uh, I mean, no, because he's how many games has he had since the summer? Maybe two or three. Two maximum, two, and it's really hard when you're somebody that's used to playing quite regular to have to come in and hit the level straight away because the expectation of people is, well, okay, this is your chance, you've got to be at it immediately. And it's hard. You need that match fitness, right? And he hasn't got it. I actually thought that there are a few players that didn't look so good in the Europa League that looked better last night. And Liv Steiner just looked a bit... He looked better. He looked more in the game. Once he's starting to talk, that means he's not thinking about his football. Okay, he's not perfect, but I I still liked his presence. Elneny, again, I thought was very, very average last week. But I thought he looked... Better. He worked harder. He pushed himself to exhaustion, and I and I liked what you can see a curve there, right? So, and you'll see that curve the next time you have a, a Europa game again, and the depth of the squad will be there. So, I, I'm not worried. I think his impact will be felt much like when Peter Cech first came in the dressing room and as well as on the pitch for certain games. It's interesting his comments today about fine details, work on the details in training all the time, so we'll get back to our level. And I love reading stuff like that because that means there's a focus in the dressing room and they're working towards a target and they know as a group what the targets are. And we need people like him to change the culture, in my opinion, i've wanted that changed, and I want to see less of what we saw before this easy ozy run where you like attitude which i don't like, and run when you like. this guy's going to keep us on a level and I, if and Tim's a historian, he look back into our into our best teams of recent times, we always had a player like that who would remind people of their responsibilities, and, and I quite like it
1: yeah well, let's close on this game by saying simply this: me stupid idiot. Yang and Lacazette should be battling for our starting center forward position. You, galaxy brain genius, Danny Welbeck is our leading scorer. So <laughs> there you have it. Um, by the way, speaking of Obamiang and Lacazette, in case you haven't heard my opinion of this situation enough, over on The Athletic, theathletic.com, a wonderful subscription-based sports site, I am writing an article about Obamiang and Lacazette. There'll be more of a deep dive, more level-headed, more based on uh, statistical performances, observations, things like that on how we can get the most out of both of them, not just saying who should be the striker and who shouldn't, but what were they before they came? What are they now? What do we do to make the most out of a situation that should be a really good one, having these two extraordinarily talented strikers? That's on The Athletic. The Athletic is um, it is a subscription site. No autoplay ads. No advertising, period. No clickbait. No five things we learned from Mesut summer in Ibiza. No... Uh, transfer speculation and garbage. It's it's good writing from great writers. Uh, uh James Gunnerblog is is writing uh, some Arsenal content there. Graham Hunter writes for them. The managing editor of StatsBomb writes for them. The whole soccer coverage slash football coverage. I say soccer in this instance because they have football coverage, which is the NFL. But you get the idea. Uh, George Kareishi, who was uh ran the Howler, so really good um people there. Great writers, great content. Over seven hundred articles every week put out. They cover all the sports in a way that a uh, few other publications ever have. We'd love it if you'd give them a try. You can go to the athletic.com forward slash vision. theathletic.com forward slash vision. You'll get a free trial. So right off the bat, you can read a couple articles, see what you think. Um, and then you get 30% off for that too. So, you know, I know everybody's subscription dollars stretched thin, but if you like reading good quality articles and no ads and no autoplay stuff, you have to go to the athletic, they're great. So here's what we'll do, we'll take a break. Uh, we'll tell you about a little bit of beer. The best beer, the only beer, the beer you should be getting, Beer 52, of course. And then when we come back, we will talk about Aaron Ramsey and the curious case of the disappearing offer. But right now, it's time to tell you about our favorite monthly craft beer discovery club. In fact, it is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club, Beer52.com. You're going to want to go to Beer52.com forward slash vision right now. The reason you're going to want to do that is you're going to get a free case of craft beer, free, free a free case of craft beer. You're even going to get a copy of Ferment Magazine and a snack. So you're getting all that for free. Just pay £2.95 shipping and you'll be upgraded to free next day shipping, which is great. Eight incredible craft beers, a magazine, a snack. No-brainer. And I know all about no-brainers. Trust me, I have no brain. In any event, this is a chance for you to discover some of the best beers from around the world. And right now, you get to take advantage of uh, the Raise the Bar competition, Beer 52's search for the UK's best new small brewers in partnership with the London Craft Beer Festival. So you'll enjoy the likes of Unity's 7% Export Stout, Boxcars Belgian IPA, and West by Three's Mothership with Passion Fruit. It's only available in the UK, which makes me very sad, but if you live in the UK, it should make you very happy because by going to beer52.com forward slash vision, not only do you make us happy podcasters, but you make yourself a happy owner of free craft beer. And so... That is obvious. By the way, uh, one thing we love about Beer52.com, they have a five-star rating on Trustpilot. So you know you are going with a very trustworthy company. Again, the most popular monthly craft beer delivery service. So take advantage of it. Beer52.com forward slash vision. Go there right now. Get your free case of craft beer. You're going to love it. Okay, now that you're drunk on fantastic beer, we can talk Aaron Ramsey, who is uh, maybe crying into his beer or celebrating with champagne. Who knows? Uh, Because the news has broken. Arsenal had an offer, a four-year deal on the table for Aaron Ramsey, and we've pulled it away. We've just just decided, no, we don't want to give you that deal anymore. It's a curious situation. And, um, Paul, I'll start with you. The first thing I want to ask before we dive too deep into this is just what elements of this story... Ring true to you and not true. I mean, because Ornstein tweeted it out, because the BBC is reporting it, obviously, and Jeremy Wilson as well, who is very credible where it comes to Arsenal. There are some slightly less credible uh, reporters who are also reporting these same kinds of things. It does sound a little bit like agent briefing more than the club, but coming from Ornstein, it, it definitely has the veneer of credibility. Is, are there parts to this story that you don't believe? One one uh, tidbit that was in one of the articles is that there was a fifty million pound bid for him in the summer that we turned down. That is catastrophic if true, but strikes me as not true. I mean, what do you believe at this point and what do you find harder to believe?
3: Uh, so I have no idea about the bid in the summer. Uh, it's such a large amount of money. Uh, can't imagine we walked away from that, but I don't know about that piece. So that that that's one of those, I'll park it and see how it matures as a rumor over the next couple of <clears throat> weeks. The piece, I mean, it's all rumors, so you don't know. The piece I believe... As fact, um, but obviously we don't know, is the uh, 50 million, basically 250K a week offer on the table agreed by all sides. Because it's pretty easy for any side to deny that. Nobody's actually out there uh, poo-pooing this rumor at the moment. Um, So that seems fairly stable. And the scenario I have in my mind where that makes sense is... Ivan Gazidis was basically for it because politically that's a good move, and, and and he's a political animal. He's now stepping away, and Sanlehi becomes the man who's to live with this deal, and I don't think he pulled the plug on it. What I think he did was he walked over to Unai Emery's desk, poured him out a, a sherry, and chatted to Unai Emery and said, How much do you like, Ramsey? And then he said, yeah, but how much do you really like, Ramsey? How do you want to spend your next 52 million pounds in terms of commitment of wages and salary? Um, ha, w- know, w- wages are. salary. Give me some guidance, Unai. <laughs> yeah, w- wage, Yeah, wages and fees. Okay, never mind. <laughs> gotcha.
1: No, I, I, I mean, I, tell
3: you. So I, um, I'm, I'm always here I, for I, you, I think the two of them knocked it back and forward. And Emery, when, when they say Emery pulled the plug... I would think Sanlehi and Emery made the decision there were better, slightly better ways of spending $52 million. And after six games, Emery's clear on what the Ramsey riddle is. And while he respects the player and values the player, it also gives him a headache, it gives him a headache with having to play the player or not having to solve the midfield versus is he a number 10 versus do I push him out on the right versus what would I like to do with $52 million? So I think that's what happened.
1: I I buy all of that, and it still makes my head tingle, and I I kind of want to squint and and drink something stiff because, Tim, it, it doesn't work intellectually. This doesn't work. We've had the player 10 yeah. years. We know him better than anybody. We know him so, so well. We had Emery come in and say he wants him to be the cornerstone. Am I supposed to believe that four games was enough for Emery to say, Not only that I don't want him to be the cornerstone anymore, but to withdraw an offer that is on the table for a player we've had 10 years. We know who this player is. Sure, he may not be working at that number 10 position. It it, it cannot be the case, can it, that four games of this season was enough for Emery to go to Sanlehi and say pull the offer off the table? Help me see this in such a way that I don't have to have that hot tingling feeling in my temples.
4: Yeah, I mean, there's clearly something else going on here. I mean, he's played Rams what in what the last on? five games. Yeah. Um, so that that that's quite at odds at someone who then doesn't want a bar of him. Um, I I probably so first of all. I think we're getting this from one side clearly, and when you read the very first articles that went out, I mean, you know, obviously this has gone to, this has gone to like the whole Arsenal press packets. You know, it's the yeah, John, John Cross, Cross,
1: Jeremy Wilson, Ornstein, <laughs> yeah,
4: Jeremy Wilson, Sammy McBell from the Mail. It's you know that basically. I mean, they might as well have just handed this out at the press conference um, to everyone on the Arsenal beat. But if you read like the first story that went out from John Cross, I mean, it reads like it was written by Ramsey's agent. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because um, probably because it was written by Ramsey's agent. Yes. (laughs) Um, So so there's basically there's something missing here, isn't there? Um, Because I, I must admit, when I first read it, I kind of thought, hmm, guy who um has spent the last two years turning down contracts now um somehow upset that there is no longer a contract on the table like oh come on i was turning those down this was fun like have you heard the expression
1: overplaying your hand perhaps
4: (laughs) yeah yeah it's a bit like well you if you're not gonna sign them you can't you know it's it's a bit like um you didn't invite me to your birthday it's like you wouldn't have come anyway but yes but just invite me for fuck's sake <laughs> so i can turn you down you know it's it's so so there's there's some, some information missing i i have to say i i'm kind of um i i ag- agree with paul a bit in that um well more than just a bit that this kind of the fact that this is coming out you know, within a week of like Gazidis, I know he's still there, but he's basically working his notice. Um, you know, this this coming a week after that does feel a little bit like a, uh, you know, uh, big Rao um, flopping out on the table and saying, "I run the show here." Um, a little bit. I mean, uh, so do you know something about <laughs> Rao that we we need that you need to share with us? Ben. Big, uh, big Raul's uh, getting Little row out God, um, fair, for fair a bit enough. of an airing. So, so, but, but I mean, to be honest, I, I don't really care about the politics and the machinations and all that. I'm, I'm not really interested. I don't even really want to. I'm not even really that curious about how it's all shaken out. It's just what infuriates me is that – what, like Why are we so, so, so shit scared of selling footballers? It's 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 absolutely crazy. Like, look at who Liverpool have been selling like the last few years and they're closer to, you know, they lost Coutinho um, in January. They're closer to the title than they've been in 20 odd years because they use the money they got paid they use the money and i know we've been over this like a million times before but we just seem to be paralyzed with fear about selling footballers and we used to be so good at it we used to be so good at going oh you want to go to barcelona okay um give us 30 million you can fuck off and we'll find someone from League and for six million and I, like i know like um the landscape's changed and all of that i mean my reading of it culturally with Arsenal is that Arsene Wenger got so, so weary with the transfer market because he wouldn't accept any help, but it was more than a one person job that he just felt like I, you know, I, I must keep everyone because if I don't keep them, then fucking hell I've got to go and buy someone. And that's a real pain in the hole. Um, you know, a, a phrase that really jumped out at me about two years ago when he was asked about Jack Wilshire's contract and Jack Wilshire was like, at Bournemouth and and you know they were asking him about selling him, and he said, "No, we must keep Jack Wilshire and then he was asked about Kieran Gibbs, and he said we we must keep Kieran, Kieran Gibbs. No, we must fucking not like they, they you know they were like squad players. It's like you why like there's... and, and, and to be fair yeah, does, listen, does he I'm, I'm gonna, do you have this, to kind of
1: say we must keep them just because
4: they're your players
1: and you
3: want them to hear that I mean
4: I do. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know. I, I took it quite at face value, given we backed um, it up with our
3: actions as the problem.
4: <laughs> well, yeah. yeah precisely. And, by, and by the way, I, I'm going to go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So sorry, I'm just going to I'm I'm just going to make it like I know, you know, the economics is more complicated than this. But basically, look at what happened last year. We we tried for some reason to hang on to Chamberlain until the death. But we used the Chamberlain money to buy a Bamiyang. Like what? Better case could there be for sell high and go and fucking buy someone, someone else? And I, I, I felt like this summer was the right time for Ramsey to go. Um, you know, mute, like completely mutually acceptable. It was the right time for him, probably right time for the club. We're overloaded in that area. We've got other areas of need. We're low on cash because we've been really bad at selling players. And I just, I just felt like it was a bit of um, a, a kind of a. A gift horse we looked in the mouth and now we're going to lose him for free. We're not going to get any money in for him. And we are really, really going to struggle to get back to where we want to if we keep wiping our ass on 50 million pounds and burning it like this.
1: Well, and oh, by the way, I have to laugh because you're like, you know, we used to be good at selling. I'm like, we were great at selling when other clubs could force us to do it. Um, (laughs) You know, maybe that's what we need. We just need clubs to come take our players off our hands so we don't make our own mistakes. But, Clive, I mean, we did this last season with Ozil and Sanchez. We let them both go into the last season. We didn't sell either of them. We paid the crap out of Mesut Ozil. We wound up swapping Alexis, and that looks like a half-decent bit of business But it's astonishing to me we wind up in this situation again. Maybe some of this falls at Gazetis' feet in the sense of Gazetas was driving the ship. Ramsey's important. He's important for our merchandising, marketing. He's part of the club. He's the fabric of the club. We got to keep him. We got to keep him. And then he fucks off. And then everybody else is staring at each other saying, well, I didn't want to keep him. Did you want to keep him? But... I mean, th- this has to get sorted out, doesn't it? You can't have players in the final year of their deal who are 50 million pound assets leaving for free or on swap deals or getting 300,000 a week because they have all the leverage every single season. I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm trying not to go on one of my typical rants that I just literally went on, but you know, is, is this the kind of thing that you expected with Wenger departing and, and a backroom staff being put into place would get corrected?
2: this is just a byproduct of the last regime right so this should have been dealt with a year and a half ago and i know you know tim's probably heard the same rumors as me there have been contracts on the table for Ramsey for at least 18 months that i've heard and um and they've made many many offers and he's turned them all down so there comes a point in time where you need to say enough and that point was probably in the summer it may have even been last january for me i don't get hung up on players i you know what i'm like so especially ones you don't like like aaron ramsey well i I think we we need to think (laughs) about just keep doing that bit until he's gone (laughs) (laughs) we need to think about this differently we need we've got we've got too many players that stay too long right and um and we need to be selling them at the right time and you know, we can sell Patrick Vieira. We can certainly sell Aaron Ramsey. I mean, what are we doing, right? So, we're, we're not talking about high-level productivity here. I don't care what anyone says um, from a footballing it's starting aspect. Starting to come out <laughs> it, uh, from a footballing <laughs> aspect, he has got talent from a stylistic aspect, from a tactical aspect. And if we talk about taking Arsenal to the next level, I don't. I've never felt that he was a pedestal player. I just felt he was a good player that's got good talent that needs a specific system as a club. All of this just makes us look smaller. Uh, It just makes the whole badge look smaller. It makes us look vulnerable. Since we moved to the new stadium, we were vulnerable for financial reasons. Then we had some money. And then, like anybody who has too much money, they do stupid things with it. And they take their eye off the ball. I think Wenger absolutely agree with him 100%. Did not want to deal with the Sharks that are out there. Basically, decided to keep the people around him that he liked, and he made it comfortable. And this is just a byproduct of that regime. I think we have got two more players in contractual situations, maybe three. I think Czech will potentially go at the end of the season. I, I don't see Arsenal offering him a new contract, but he des- he deserves to go on a free, and that's that's a good free. He's been he's been good value for us, and and then we should prepare in the ground for the next goalkeeper. Danny Welbeck feels sloppy to me. Lots of injuries. I mean, he's in the last year as well. And Ramsey, this has been in the post for, for 18 months at least. So I'm not surprised. It's just disappointing. But what has been promising is there have been a number of contract signings this year from players that maybe not everyone was quite surprised they got extensions. Which means we're modernising. I mean, just look at the Callum Chambers one, for example. None of us really expected that second contract. But it's there. That tells you there's a different regime that are protecting their assets. I mean, not many people are impressive on any. Well, 50-50, shall we say. But he's got a contract. He's there. He's an asset we've now got captured. So things are changing. But I'm afraid Ramsey and Welbeck and, and maybe Chek up to a point are part of the, the legacy Arsenal. And from now on, hopefully we'll see a different team shape up.
1: Yeah, and let me stay with you just for a second, Clive. I mean, remo- withdrawing an, uh, an offer is a big move. I mean, I I realize it may be, you know, the problem with a story like this is that offer may have been on the table and then taken off the table after he just stared at it for four months. I mean, like, let's put it this way. Let's say, Clive, I'm going to give you an offer. Um, You know, I'll give you $10 to come mow my lawn. And I put that offer on the table. And after six months, I haven't heard from you. And then I withdraw the offer. The headline could be Elliot withdraws offer. I mean, the offer that was withdrawn may have been one he was never going to take, but what do you think could have precipitated the decision to remove it? Is it an effort to say, okay, we're taking a clear direction now that we're moving beyond Aaron Ramsey? Do you think Emery was involved in that decision? It's kind of odd considering how hugely he talked about Ramsey's influence and the importance of it going into this season. I mean, for you, how significant is the detail of withdrawing an offer? And is that a clear, definitive decision to move beyond Aaron Ramsey now?
2: I, I'd like to think so. I think... Every, from the moment we started to see Smith-Rowe and Genduzzi and Torreira coming into our midfield, that's three players that really maybe six months ago we never thought we'd see on the pitch, right? So, and I didn't even know two of them they even existed, right? So, and now we've seen them. I'm not stressed about setting up our pitch, I'm not I'm not stressed at all. We've got an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 21-, 22-year-old.
1: And it's a sign of how quick things can change, right? I mean, you sign an 18-year-old from League 2 or 19-year-old from League 2 and suddenly four games in, you're like, here's the future of our club. Things change very, very quickly. You don't have to go out and quickly. sign Verratti or Pogba to think your your club has changed. you
2: know? Very quickly, I'm always talking about this. I never get hung up on talent because I didn't know who Torreira was in, in, in May. I just didn't know. World Cup, there he is. You see him you think – He'd look good for us, and, and he's, in, he's in our team, and we all love him. Gwen Doozy, I didn't know who he was. And he plays he plays very much like a young Aaron Ramsey. The second midfielder, dashing player, lots of energy, positionally drifts to the right rather than drifts higher up. S- similar errors, but, you know, he's, he's all heart, very energetic, a lovely flourish to him. What's there to worry about here? Well, what we need to do is show a little bit more maturity and plan this a little bit more. So for me, I'd like to think... His position has been weakened by the new people coming around him. This made him not so valuable. It's, it's, and I think it's a football decision. He is not as well, well positioned and lost leverage since these players have come on board and performed to the level that they're performing. And Smith Rowe is only going to get massively better. His, yeah. his line of trajectory is so high. And and my my sort of personal favourite it's Maitland-Niles, and we're just forgetting about him. you know? And When he comes into the scene, we got another player. So from a football perspective, I'm not concerned. And we should be reinvesting what we should have got into other areas where we know we need upgrades.
1: Except we didn't get anything.
2: <laughs> well, that's... we may get <laughs> no. something in January. Yeah. I think we will get something. Well,
1: in all right, so, so that's. let's finish with that then, Paul. And by the way, I mean, I will say that there may have been some of Emery here who said, you know, in my mind, I saw Ramsey being able to play the 10 and trigger the press and Ozil being fine on the right wing. That hasn't happened. We have a 350000 a week commitment to Ozil, who only seems to work at 10. So Ramsey no longer really fits what I'm trying to do. I mean, maybe there's something to that. I, I don't know. But Paul, I mean, how do you see this playing out? Signs abroad for free in January and just peters out his season. Maybe we work out a swap deal. I'd take Martial, I'll tell you that fucking much. But we work out a swap deal or or, or a cut-rate deal in January or, or he goes for free in England um, at the end of the season. I mean, how do you see it playing out?
3: Um, so I, I know we're all hung up on sending players to Europe, but they generally don't really want to go. I know he said something four or five years ago in a press conference, I think, for the Barcelona game because his star was high at the time and and there were rumours circulating, blah, blah, blah. And he very politely said he'd love to go to and play in La Liga one day. But that was like five years ago when he was a kid. So I think the likely uh, buyers that are going to pay him what he wants, he's now settled with kids, are going to be somebody like a United. Um, Now, maybe the once bitten twice shy as we just... uh, we screw them over on Sanchez, ha ha ha. So maybe that's not politically the most attractive option, but I would think everybody the knows League, United
1: just does whatever the agents tell them to do, so it's okay.
3: Yeah, no, that's that's true. So, um, so I don't really know. I, I mean, it's a bit of a trade-off. You, how much can you get for a, a January sale when the guy's gone six months later? We may well need him. Uh, maybe not as our a, a verified starter from here on in but certainly you know he's still a very useful player and if he's around he he's not the kind of guy who who uh is becomes toxic he's a good guy so i think he'll be part of the squad he'll be part of the options uh emery has got bigger fish to fry than than getting into any political yes personal politics
1: <laughs> he that's the whole point of having a backroom staff he doesn't need to be in that Yeah. You know.
3: Yeah, and he, he has one big fish to fry, which is getting this team forward. He'll use whoever, you know, it, it, he might only have Ramsey for another whatever, seven or eight months, but that's a lifetime in terms of getting to a point where your position's secure. So I can see Ramsey been with us till the summer uh, because the idea that somebody will office, offer us big money in January, but maybe. But, I mean, if they offer twenty or thirty million, that kind of comes out of his wages. So it's that old trade off there. Yeah. I don't know. you You'd need to have silly money like United for his fee not to impact his salary, which is quite possible. So, you know, if it's if it's not United, I think he stays with us till the summer.
1: Let's finish it on this, Tim. Um you've talked a little bit about what the problems are at the club in terms of doing this kind of business. And I could not agree with you more. Clive has expanded on that. Could not agree with him more. Paul said some stuff too. Um, so, uh, which, which could I could not agree, agree with, could not agree with more. more. Um, is what I meant to say. Uh, final thoughts here. Just to what extent are you disappointed that Emory hasn't so far, I mean, it's still early and he's not gone yet so far, been able to get the best out of Aaron Ramsey, who we know is a quality player. And how damaging do you think it is to lose this player who, I mean, whatever we think of him is filled with talent Mm. and and has the ability to, on his day, be a match winner. I mean, how disappointed are you about that?
4: I mean, listen, he's he's a hugely, hugely talented player. One of my favorite players from the last 10 years or so. Someone um, I personally invested a lot in from the beginning, even when he wasn't playing that well. I always felt I saw something in him. uh, particularly mentality-wise, and uh, I, I think I've been vindicated um, in all those uh, arguments I was having on the internet in about 2011-2012. Um, and, you know, he scored the winning goal in two cup finals. He's, you know, he's he's come back from an absolutely horrific injury. Um, and, you know, he he, for me, is... His kind of place in the Arsenal pantheon, as it as it were, is is pretty secure. Just because it's time for a guy to go, or he decides it's time, or the club decides it's time, or whatever, it doesn't. I, I feel like these days, like everyone feels like they immediately have to start hating someone. <laughs> as Unless soon as you're Giroud, kind of who for happens. some
1: reason is Teflon. He gets he goes to Chelsea, and he, people still love him. I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, but whatever. Keep going.
4: But yeah, yeah. I mean, with Giroud, it was like Giroud had to play less to become more popular. And and actually, I think there's a kind of logic in that Um, people people didn't like him when he was playing all the time. But when he kind of did what he was good at, which was coming off the bench, almost Fellaini style, um, you know, less is more with Giroud. But anyway, you know... Um, so with with Ramsey, I, I don't I don't feel any like um, I don't think there's any need for any acrimony or anything like that. Um, it's just it, it comes to a natural time. I felt the same as Chamberlain. Um, I, I liked Chamberlain a lot. I don't think he quite developed into the player. I thought he might or that he could, but it was fine. I, I didn't want to, like, threaten his family on Instagram <laughs> because he wanted to leave the club. And it's the same with Ramsey now. Could you, like, could there's you put no some heart
1: th- into it next time, Tim. <laughs>
4: <laughs> there's, there's like, but people. I mean, and, and it's uh, to to some extent, it's it's understandable. People are protecting themselves and stuff. And it's like, oh, I never liked him anyway. Or, but, but, you know, it's it's just. I think it it probably should have come to a natural end in the summer. Um, so, I, and in terms of replacing his skill set, i d- <sighs> I don't think we need to now I think that's why it's time I think when you've got we're basically we're playing with two strikers now aren't we um whether we do that permanently I mean think you know things can change we started the season with the Bamiyang and and when you've got one striker Rams is incredibly useful when you've got two I I think less so um and again I I don't Basically, I, I don't think he quite fits with this kind of if we're going to play Lacazette and Abamyang, I think you need us all there because you need someone providing bullets and and Ramsey doesn't quite fit in there. You saw it with the I know it's a, it's a brilliant assist for Bamiang on Sunday against Everton, but he's in Bamiyang's way. And then you look at Lacazette's goal last night. And he nearly, like, blocks the shot because he, he got gets in, in Lacazette's again. way. Yeah. You know, he, know my he's, thoughts he's just... on this, mate. Yeah, yeah. And listen, that that over time, that might iron out. But what the fuck is the point if he's going to leave at the end of the season? There is no point in investing the time in him working out how to play with Lacazette and Aubameyang when he's not going to be here in, like, seven months or so. So um, I, I'm not, like disappointed in terms of because i i was even though he's one of my my favorite players i was all for selling him in the summer um because i felt like it's what needed to happen um but I, I don't feel any ill will towards him i don't think he's done anything particularly wrong um I, I don't necessarily even think it's massively his fault that he doesn't particularly fit in at the moment it's just there's other guys doing what he does Um, And that's not, you know, that's not his fault. It's not because he's an idiot or because he's selfish or anything like this. It's just all of his strengths, I think, are better accounted for.
2: Mm -hmm. um, And his his weaknesses are quite similar to other players in our midfield. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's an issue. He's just a modern footballer, Tim, looking after his family, right? That's all he is. And he's trying to get the best deal for himself. I could pile it on him if I, you know when are we doing that in the spotlight? Are we still doing it? Because <laughs> well, I, 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 well, well, the, the fans vote voted
1: on. for Mess at So I wanted to do it on Ramsey, but now maybe it's too late anyway, so it looks like we're doing an Ozil one.
2: But also Sad like love. how
4: how how like um, just a final thought, how contradictory and stupid are we as fans that like we get upset when a player <laughs> sees his contract out, like, oh that's really disloyal. Um, you know, like pl- players can't win um, a lot of the time if they see out their contracts, and obviously they don't. You, you know, you're denied a transfer fee. It's how oh, you bastard. Well, Van Persie made damn sure he left a year before his contract ended, and um, yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone thinks that
2: much of Robin van Persie for doing that. So and the Hazard yeah. is, in the, is in. He's got one year in the summer to go. Yep. And do you think he's going to sign a contract this year, or do you think he's going to nope, use that that's... to go somewhere? It's just, it's just modern le- football, mate, isn't it? It's, it seems yeah, weird yeah. to me
1: that more and clubs don't do the, hey, we'll re-sign you for, with, a, with a release clause thing. I mean, you know, kind of the way Liverpool did it with Suarez. The we way, protect the value yeah. of the asset, you know? the,
2: w- the way do Sure, it, but mate. the the, agent the has way way.
3: a say in that, that, and it is cutting into the players' wages. I mean, it it's all money. Yeah.
2: The way to do it is to, is to do what May and I have done recently and what we've done on occasion, we think we did with Cazola actually. You you get, you get sign someone on a three year contract but the, and, but you have an option for the fourth year. And then you start to negotiate with one year to go maybe. And then you say, okay, you're not gonna sign. We're gonna take up the option. That puts two years onto your, onto your contract and now we'll sell with two years value. And that's what you need to do. You need to do this when you're signing them using options a lot more where you don't need to negotiate for the option because it's already part of the contract. Yeah, that's clear. May so, Maynard, they're uh, do it, they it one though, deals. I've got to say, though, it's or still all
3: money. money. I mean, the agent then looks at that and says, well, actually, you're now using up some of our leverage on our side, so we want higher wages. So, it, it, you yeah, know, but, it works for a year or so, and then the other side, it, it's an arms race. The other side gets smarter, and they factor it in, so… You know, you, yeah. you, so, you get a year so, yeah. when you're smarter than the other side. That's about it, I think. You Detail know the solution to that?
1: Never get smarter. I find that is a, a flaw, a foolproof Yeah, we're a plan. year behind. <laughs> Never get smarter. Um, okay, look, I think we should leave it there. Now, here's the thing. I did want to do a Watford preview, but then I remembered on Patreon.com forward slash Arsenal Vision Podcast, Tim does extraordinary previews every week for the Premier League matches. And not only did he do them, but professional graphics editor, Laszlo Fulop, does the graphics for them now, and they look phenomenal. And I'll level with you. We want you on that Patreon. We need you on that Patreon. You can handle the Patreon. Um, if you can't handle the Patreon, we still love you, and we, we love you for listening. If you can handle the Patreon, uh, then, then please sign up and watch Tim's preview of the Watford match and, and every other match. And it's more Tim, and who doesn't want more Tim in their life? Um, coming in October, we will be giving away another Arsenal shirt. It'll either be Ramsey or Mustafi. Just kidding. Kidding, I kid, I joke, it's what I do. Uh, we have in the spotlight, Mesut Ozil coming up on the Patreon, and so much more. Uh, we are having a ton of fun doing this and a ton of fun engaging with you guys on the halftime show. That's been awesome. We'll have one this weekend for the Watford match, uh, assuming someone on this podcast is willing to come on and talk to me about it. And hopefully it'll be 5-0 on the way to 10-0. We always joke about the end of the pod. That's coming up soon. Pause, uh, pause in my pants. That's Paul. He's on Twitter. Hello. Woo-hoo. Tim's on Twitter at Stoberto. Thanks, Tim.
4: My pleasure as always.
1: Clive is on Twitter at Clive. P A F C. You know what? I I have been getting some hate mail more than usual. I'm gonna do this again. Paul's Twitter handle is Poznan in my pants. Tim's mm-hmm. is still Berto, and Clive's is Clive P A F C. Thanks, Clive.
2: Thank you very much, my son.
1: You're welcome, Dad. My name is Ellie Smith. You can block me on Twitter. Yankee Gunner. Give us five star review, five big stars, five stars. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five full stars. And, uh, you know, we will talk to you after Arsenal 10. What for New.